Welcome to The Rock Play, where we speak our truth, slay sacred cows, and sometimes agree to disagree. This is an outdoor podcast that aims for the head. I'm Colin True, and today on the show, we're headed to the crag as I bring in climber, podcaster, and musician Chris Hampton to roll through some rock fights in the rock climbing world. But before we get to that, guys, it's working. Me getting on my knees and begging you to subscribe is getting us new subscribers. And that means that more people can find The Rock Fight. So if you haven't yet, please, right now, click that follow button on whatever app you're listening to this on. Then scroll down, rate the show five stars, leave a quick review. It doesn't have to be long. Just write, great podcast, and click submit. Thank you for helping us grow. All right, let's start the show. Very lucky today to be joined by Chris Hampton, who is a climbing coach and owner of Power Company Climbing, host of multiple rock climbing centric podcasts over on the Plug Tone Audio Network, including including the recently launched Written in Stone, which is a climbing history podcast. If you like rock climbing and you're listening to this, you need to check out the show. It is definitely for you. Um, And if you want to talk about rock climbing, this is the guy you call. So, Chris, welcome to the show. Man, thanks for having me, Colin. I'm I'm excited to get to throw some rocks. You know, it, <laughs> I've I've burned a lot of bridges with climbing magazines and the climbing media in general because I'm willing to throw rocks. Um, that's a lot of my history, so I'm psyched. The second ever episode of the Rock Fight was me expressing my displeasure with shirtless dudes in the climbing gym, because there's no way to me that that's not an exercise in vanity and attention seeking. And I I fully understand. I've climbed outside. I understand. I've, I've climbed shirtless outside, but I really feel like when you go to the climbing gym and there's that guy or guys, that guy. do you defend the shirtless gym climber? Is that something? Is that, is that, do I, am I missing something when it comes to the shirtless gym climber? <laughs> if we were doing this in like 1998, I would defend the shirtless gym climber. So this is an age thing, not a, uh... <laughs> um, an age and a like, uh, growth of the climbing industry thing mm. because uh, here's my asterisks here. Um, in the late 90s, early 2000s, I was in Cincinnati. I was in the climbing gyms a lot. And yeah. all climbing gyms at that time were in like um, dark, dirty, industrial buildings with no ventilation and no air conditioning. And in the summer, it would be sweltering and yeah they're like metal boxes right i mean they were basically like old metal buildings that have been converted to climbing gyms yep so everyone everyone would be in various states of undress you know (laughs) um and for a while i was one of those guys for sure uh in my early 20s but then i realized that like you're in such close quarters in a gym and people are up above you so when you start getting dripped on It's just not cool. And I, even if, especially if you're the sweaty dude, like if you're that sweaty guy and you're like, well, that's why I have to take my shirt off because I'm extra sweaty. I'm like, no, that's why you need to keep your shirt on because you're extra sweaty. And I don't want you dripping on me or leaving a literal puddle when you do fall off. You know, I don't want that. So keep the shirt on. It's a safety thing, man. You don't want to drip on your belay. You don't distract distract the person who's saving your life if you fall. No, I've I've literally had been standing in the sport climbing area of a gym in Cincinnati and a guy climbing next to me out this overhang right above me. I look up and his sweat lands right on my lip. Oh, no. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, keep the shirts on, man. Keep the shirts on. Maybe that's why you know, you can't use like ATCs at climbing gyms anymore. You have to go greery. So that <laughs> exactly way, so if right. too many people were taking their hands off the rope to like wipe the sweat off, their, their partner's sweat off uh, their face. You know, God. it's funny when you get these sort of hot take or these like a, these hard formed opinions. Because I, I distinctly remember this one. Because like I said, I've, I've climbed outside on hot days. I definitely have bouldered yeah, yeah. shirtless. I always sure. remember thinking being in a gym, like, dude, come on. Like, this is even before I even had kids. Like, why, why, you, got, you, know, why are you walking around shirtless? But I remember uh, the, the climbing gym I go to now is also, like, just my regular gym. And I probably honestly go to it more just to, like, w- like lift and work out yeah. than I do yeah, yeah. to climb. But so I remember just being over there, like, you know, doing something in the gym part. And someone just came walking in with, like, you know, like, five-inch Patagonia baggies on, no shirt, no shoes, no socks. Just rolling it and, like, started, like, yeah. jumped on the rowing machine. And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, yeah, I'm just not okay with this. <laughs> yeah, like, just go totally. Put, put your shirt on, bro. <laughs> well, I have a proposal, you know, since since women are sort of restricted to having to wear sports bras, um, the, the shirtless dudes can just wear sports bras. I'm into that. Yeah, you I'm see, like the uh, the soccer community, the you know the European football community, they always have like the, it looks like they're wear- men are wearing sports bras, but it's their yeah. heart, their heart rate monitors. Yeah, you can double it up. You get a heart rate monitor going. You can combine the Strava crowd with the uh, with the shirtless climbing climbing crowd, like the, the the vanity metrics for two sports, you know, colliding. Let's do this. And then you can look on your Strava to know which gym to avoid. <laughs> That'd be amazing. You know, Larry is the local legend at you know at this gym. He's done the, this one five eleven around seventy two times in the last thirty days. Uh, Actually, we don't yep. want to give Strava any ideas. But I do think I, that another the other episode I really and it hasn't been a lot like I said about the focus on climbing. But the one I wanted to write and I do feel this way, I kind of posited the theory that you, you got to try you got to try climbing outside at least once to be outdoorsy. Because even like Justin Hausman, who comes on once a week, we were talking. To, I don't think it made uh, the episode, but we were chatting about like you know, is there any is there a more kind of hardcore at you know outdoor adventure sport than climbing? And we both are like no. Like maybe maybe like how alpine how high alpine mountaineering just because of like the death factor is like it's like one in three on some of like Himalayan yeah, peaks and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. But just for the sheer, talk about vanity stuff, right? Like the photos you get and the way it looks, and if you tell someone that you're rock climbing, like there's just nothing more badass than that. Like oh, I'm a mountain biker. Like great, <laughs> you know. Oh, I I surf two foot waves. Cool. I go ride lifts. All right. But here's a picture of me rock climbing. Oh shit! Like that's badass. So I guess taking personal bias out of it, like, how, do you think I'm onto something? Do you agree with that? Or, you know, and also like, how do you sort of rank, you know, the outdoor adventure sports and activities? Yeah, I, I really, I'm a contrarian by nature. Like I <laughs> want to, you know, interrogate everything that pops up in front of me. So I really wanted to disagree with this and, and I tried really hard to disagree with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was I wanted to disagree because I don't think it's very hardcore. Or at least it, it doesn't have to be hardcore. Similar to like you just said, you're surfing two foot waves. Well, there's also these big wave surfers out there that I think are way more hardcore right. than climbers who are, you know, surfing two foot waves, so to speak. And I think especially with the prevalence of climbing gyms, um, <clears throat> It's, it's not that hardcore in the, like, entry level. And it's almost like, you know, mountain runners are super hardcore, but most people going climbing for the first time are jogging on a pavement trail, you know, a, a trail made of concrete. So right. 
I, I don't see it as hardcore in that respect. However, I do think the general public still feels it's hardcore. And they're, it's still like, like you, you mentioned that it sort of brings in all the, the parts of the outdoor experience that we want. And I do think it does that. Like you get to, you're hiking in and out of the place. So you get to like see the views and, you know, go into nature, so to speak. And then you're, you're getting above the ground on your own power. And most people are never going to do that, you know, unless it's an airplane or an elevator or an escalator or something, they're not getting off the ground. So it probably has the highest barrier to entry, right? Because yeah. there are people who have height <clears throat> problems who are just never even going to try. And no matter what totally. you do to be like, no, like try, we'll go to the gym. It'll be the, no, they're just, I am out. But those people might still try mountain biking or riding on a dirt path or, or running, you know, you said like up a little yeah. hill or something like that. But yeah. there's a, the, there is a little extra something there to climbing. Totally. The thing I think is equivalent is surfing though. Like I think enough people have a fear of, water and oceans and water is so powerful like like you can walk up to a cliff and it looks intimidating but but when you walk up to the ocean and it's like heavy waves it's scary <laughs> i think you're right no i think you're absolutely right i've had similar conversations with surf like oh you should try surfing and people are like oh my god no like it's no i can't like that's that's terrifying and same thing with rock climbing i think the thing about climbing that I like, and you know what, probably similar too, like the exposure in the waves and the, how it, even a small wave can knock you on your ass and like you kind of don't have control over your body for a few seconds. It is yeah. that exposure on rock climbing, but similarly to just trying it. Like I'll never forget, I was on, I was in Big Cottonwood Canyon. That was when, when I was living in Salt Lake and we were mm -hmm. climbing at some buddies after work. And I remember going up and we were just, you know, they set up a top rope and I was up there. I was about two thirds of the way up and I kind of got in a pinch and I was starting to kind of freak out a little. Yeah. And my buddies yeah. could tell. And they're like, hey, dude, just let go. Because we we're top roping, right? And I'm like, so I just let go and you fall like two inches. And you're like, oh, <laughs> like, oh, it's okay. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you have those moments. And for especially, it's a funny point where I feel like, yeah, it's probably maybe the highest barrier to entry. However, but there's enough, there's more in place to lower that barrier to entry than any other sports because of the climbing gyms. Because you can go have a relatively... I don't know, authentic climbing experience by going to a climbing gym and understand yeah. what the movements feel like, what it's like to hang on a rope, like all the trust your gear, all those things, and a much more controlled setting. And yet yeah. I still feel like I'm sure there are people out there who have a, really would struggle with even trying. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've watched people really, really freak out. Years ago in the Red River Gorge, I, was, I had climbed this uh, three-pitch trad route um, with this group of people who were relatively new. And uh, there was a, a woman there who had never done anything like this. And at the top of the, or in the middle of the second pitch, or third pitch, sorry, is a, a ledge that you can stand on. And I'm on top and I'm belaying her up and she gets to this ledge and she's like, that's it, I'm done. And I was like, okay, well, I can lower you back down to, you know, the, the ledge below you. And she's like, no, I'm done. Oh, no. Like, what do you mean? She's like, I'm staying right here. <laughs> just just moving in? Like, we're going to airdrop in groceries? Like, what do you think you're going to do? Yeah, I sat up there on belay trying to talk her through it for like six hours. 
and she's like her boyfriend's on the ledge below and he's trying to talk to her and she's like i'm telling your mom when we get out of this you know that's amazing <laughs> and she just wouldn't move so so did she end up she ended up rappelling down she i i ended up lowering her down after her down. sweet talking her off the you know to step off the ledge and wait the rope yeah i'm sure you can i mean def, i've definitely been in places doing all sorts of activities where i'm like i'm done i don't want to do this anymore yeah. And then you maybe have that little pity party for a few minutes and then you realize, oh shit, I'm like 20 miles in the back country. Right, right. You know, like, like, I guess I have to ride back or walk back or whatever it is, you know, and then you, then you just start, you know, like, well, I have no choice but to go to just sort of like shut down. Like, no, like, what did yeah. she want? What did she want to have happen? Did she want a helicopter to come in? Like what was, what magic? Was... I don't know. Uh, <laughs> she just wanted out of it. And I, I, you know, I think climbing does play at a lot of our fears, you know, yeah. there's like as you're getting pumped or fatigued it's like this loss of control and then you know you're just going to drop into the abyss so that is a good point so cuz <clears throat> so you have an older child my my daughter's about to turn 18 and one of the best and she she uh she climbs a little bit she was on a climbing team at a gym where we lived up in the mm. northwest and so she and I still go climbing somewhat frequently we just go to the climbing gym and for a while we weren't rope climbing, and then all of a sudden, a few like a few months ago, we're like, oh, we should start rope climbing again. Because now I'm like, oh, you're old enough that you can belay me. And for the most of her climbing life, it was, hey, dad, let's go rope climbing. I'm like, this sounds terrible. I'm just gonna belay you the entire time, and like, I don't get to have, go have any fun because you know she was 12, right? She yeah. couldn't, she couldn't yeah. belay me. <laughs> but so not having rope climb for a while, and then to kind of just jumping back into it, it was actually kind of nerve wracking. You know, yeah. like now all of a sudden, and we're just doing like five sixes, you know, in the climbing gym. So very controlled, you know, like I was saying, no, no ATC anymore. Like, you know, she can't screw it up if I fall, but you kind of get two thirds of the way up. And like you said, oh my God, my arms are getting pumped. I'm starting to feel like the top isn't a sure thing. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Am I, now I'm like just these weird irrational thoughts are coming in your head. Like, is my harness going to hold me? Like, why wouldn't my yeah. harness hold me? It's like a two year old harness. I mean, it's fine, you know, and I'm, and I'm then a climbing gym top roping. But it's weird how these things creep into the back of your head. And I don't know if it, any other sport quite has those same sort of like demons that kind of speak to you in those moments. Yeah, I agree. It's it's almost like, you know, there's a fear, like if you're on top of a half pipe and you're about to drop in, there's, there's a fear in that moment, you right. know? Yeah. But then when you drop in, no matter what happens, it happens so fast, there's <laughs> right. nothing you can do about it. You're either it, ripping you know? or you're crashing, right? It's one or the <laughs> right. other. And it's similar in most sports. Like, you you don't get to spend a lot of time thinking, but in climbing, you get a lot of time to consider what might happen, and you go through all the worst-case scenarios. Yeah, I wanted to disagree with this, but I think I agree. Fuck, I agree. <laughs> well, I think we talk about quite a bit on the show um, is kind of the jaded, opinionated, outdoorsy person versus Ooh. sort of the engaged, optimistic, kook, or noob. Oh, you're, you're already smiling. Oh, my God. <laughs> I got to think kind of like the, we were just saying about maybe the hardcore conversation. It's got to be somewhat similar, right? So, yeah. you know, how does the, you know, the, the, the experience, well, I mean, you're probably one of the best persons you've been climbing for a long time and it's long clearly time. like your passion. You have a climbing mm -hmm. wall at your house. You have multiple podcasts about it. You own a power, uh, a climbing company. Yeah. How do, how would you feel when you're engaging with the noobs, the kooks, the, the people who are out there who are just trying this for the first time? Well, I'm, I'll say this, Colin, I'm in serious danger of becoming the curmudgeons, you know, of the world. 
I'm in serious danger of it. And I'm constantly checking myself like, are you that guy? <laughs> and I try really hard not to be um, because I don't like those guys. You know? I know. I don't. It's so it's so counter to reality, really. You know, yeah. the, like the way those guys happen is that like they've they've been through this progression in their sport in their culture in their world and and they've seen things change and they changed for the better you know like we did it we were the generation that got it right and then and then the next generation comes along and some maverick starts changing things and they're like fuck that guy you know (laughs) that guy's ruining everything and i'm like you were that guy yeah right (laughs) your generation is doing the same thing this one is they're just moving past you and you have you're having a really hard time handling that those people are all over climbing i'm glad to hear they're elsewhere that makes oh. me my cold little heart happy yeah i i don't i kind of came to a lot of these sports late i think it sounds like maybe you did as well and i i think that helps to kind of remember my my poser slash kook slash noob status a little bit because mm-hmm. it was you know if, if you grew up doing this stuff or especially maybe if you started doing some of these things when you're a teenager and it really kind of cemented those biases. I think that some of it is good. Uh, I think that this is the, the perspective I bring like to the e-bike debate. Cause mm, I, for, yeah. cause I definitely went down this road when e-bikes on mountain bike trails started to become a thing. I was absolutely that curmudgeon. I'm like, fuck you, go earn it. Like, what are yeah, you doing? Yeah. And yeah, then you start, totally. then I started kind of thinking about the different use scenarios, right? It's like, okay, folks who have maybe have a disability, Got it. That can get them out. Like, you know, I thought about like my wife who likes mountain biking, but not as much as I do. So if we go yeah. out, well, if she's on an e-bike, I could do the maybe like the 20 mile ride that I wanted to do and mm-hmm. she can now come with me. However, I'm starting to notice like some just these some e-bikers, usually younger people. Again, this is the risk of becoming the curmudgeon, right? The mm-hmm. old guy on the couch who's complaining about things. But they're kind of like, so there's a hill behind my house that's like kind of a perfect training hill. It's steep, it's loose, it's chunky. It's not a lot of, not a lot of miles, but like you can leave from my house and go get a really steep climb in. You know, you can see the ocean from the top. It's great. Like all, it's it's a beautiful place to go. And you just get these every once in a while on these really loose, narrow trails blowing by, getting blown by, by like three kids on (laughs) e-bikes. And, you know, I want to get mad, but it's also like, well, maybe that's where, hey, you know, having to go out and earn it a little bit may have, you know, if you if you knew what it was like to actually go mountain biking on a just regular pedal bike, then maybe you would behave a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think there's a role for the curmudgeon. Like, you know, you, you learn from the old man. But I do hear you. Like, you don't always just want to default to, you know, I know what's right because I've been doing it longer than you. Yeah, I also want to like revisit this conversation when your knees start hurting and you start googling <laughs> e-bikes and you know seeing how much right? they cost. Yeah, I I def I have a really complicated relationship with history. Um, I think that's what creates the curmudgeon, right? You know, we we've been sure. in it long enough to have a history with it. And you know, like you mentioned at the top of the show, I'm I'm working on this new podcast written in stone, and it's got a pretty unique format for for climbing in that I'm telling these stories but you're not hearing from the people themselves. I have access to those people. I'm often, you know, texting them to get details or emailing them to get details about stories, but I don't want their voices on there. And part of that's because they are their voices are colored by the curmudgeons. 
You know, right. you can't help it. And I don't want to downplay the history. I want to celebrate it. I want to turn it into this larger than life thing because I think that's really fun. And and being curmudgeonly can take the fun out of it. It can downplay the the cool things. Totally. So so I'm purposely saying, you know, I'm not interested in having your voice here. I, I'm going to tell you I'm writing a story about you and I'm sound designing this story about you and I'll, li- I'll let you listen to it when it's done. <laughs> but you have no say in it. Like, right. Either you like it or you don't and that's fine. I want to tell this story in a, in a really fun way and I don't want the, the curmudgeons brought into it. But you do interview some of them after the fact then too, right? It's almost like a companion to the story you told. Is that how that's I haven't. I haven't interviewed any of the, the people from the stories. I'm interviewing the people who were inspired by them so that, so that they get to talk about what inspired them about this person or that ascent. Um, I may bring some in end of season to, ha- you know, to have some conversations, but I'm also not sure about that. I sort of, I'm really loving it not having to, eat, to worry at all about the curmudgeons. So when like so what is the let's talk about the show for a minute. So what how many episodes is the season going to be? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> how, how many stories out, do you have? I guess <laughs> it started out it was going to be 20 episodes, 10 stories, 10 conversations. And what happened is I'm like sending emails to all these people I want to have conversations with and a lot of them are like the best climbers in the world, you know. Right. <clears throat> so I'm like these people aren't going to get back to me. So I need to email three or four people so I can get one. Well, now that the, the show is coming out, everyone's emailing me back and they're like, oh, I want in. So now I'm going to have like three conversations for, for one story uh, quite a few times. So it's going to be a lot of episodes. Um, I'm not That's sure great. exactly how many. 30, 40, something like that. I don't know. Last thing I want to talk to you about is, you know, I can only pick, you know, so many sort of, you know, quote unquote rock fights about rock climbing because of my, my amateur rock climber status. I kind of, I tell people I enjoy climbing. I would never call myself a rock climber. I just don't feel like I've earned that. So what are some of your, you know, climber hot takes? Did you bring any hot takes with you? Any, any, any rocks you'd like to throw at the climbing community? Yeah, I've got a couple here. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I have a lot of rocks in my, <laughs> like if, if I were we'll a fanny a pack, it would be filled with, with rocks I want to throw. Um, First, and I'm curious if this shows up in other sports, maybe it doesn't because climbing is a sport where you're very often like stationed in one area for a long time, but Mm -hmm. the crag dog, like bringing your dog to the crag and, and, and maybe I should rephrase that. It's not the crag dog I'm mad at. It's the, the bad crag dog owner. Hell yeah. That I want to throw some rocks at like big rocks. I want to like for real throw some big rocks at these people. Um, I got bitten by a dog this summer at the crag and, and it was like, I was just walking on the trail. The dog runs up behind me and like latches onto my calf. Oh shit, dude. And I didn't have, you know, I still had my pack on and my friends were just down the, the wall. So I let the guy know your dog just bit me. He's up on the wall. And I go down to my friends. I clean out the wound. I'm like Q-tip, you know, inside this Holy fang shit, mark like in, in my there. leg. Yeah, he got in there. And then I walk back up to talk to the owner, like just to see, has your dog had shots and all of this? And they're gone. They were just like, we're out of here. We don't even want to have this conversation. So 
So bad crag dog owners need some rocks thrown at them. Yeah, we got a problem with dogs in the outdoor community and probably beyond. Let's be honest. And I, listen, I own three dogs. All right, I'm a dog yeah. guy. My yeah. I, before before we record this podcast, I just walked my dog for two miles. I I love my dog. Sometimes Absolutely. more than I love my kids. Let's be honest. I love my dog. <laughs> but you gotta know who you are as a dog owner and what your dog is all about. And yeah. I it, this I, I think this definitely extends to other sports because you see people out skiing with their dogs and biking with their dogs and obviously running really? with their dogs. Skiing with their dogs. Yeah. And it's if your dog is well trained and voice command and is will abide all of your commands when the, and, and and are you proven to be friendly all these things i have no problem with that if you have a crag dog that goes up and lays on a rock and sits in the sun and people are coming yeah. and going and he just pays no mind you he's like friendly you can pet him, great i think that's a, that's a, a that's an added thing to, to the climbing day experience right that's cool but if that dog that came up and bit you that person knew that dog was capable of it they knew and when I, they knew right and my dog is a sweetheart, but she also, you know, she's a COVID dog. And for the first year of her life, didn't meet probably another human being other than my family. So she tends, you know, mm. sometimes she'll bark when she sees someone. Sure. And it's not that there's nothing means she's friendly, would, would never hurt anybody, but it's annoying as shit. So like, why am I going to take my dog somewhere where it's like, I'm up on the wall, right? And my dog's down there barking at you walking up to go set up, you know, go climb for the day. Yeah. What? Just because you're too what? You don't want to leave the dog at home? Like, leave the dog at home. It's okay. It's a dog. It'll be fine. Yeah, and I can't tell you how many times in the past few years I've been at the crag and dogs outnumber humans. Like, oh you know, some people bring all three of their dogs to the crag with them and Come on, man. And then there's always always a dog fight. Yeah, I bet I've totally. seen 100 dog fights in the last 5 years, you right? know? It's like I don't want to bring my toddler climbing because I'm afraid there's going to be a dog fight that she's right in the middle of. Yeah, and also while we're on the dog topic, I I'm over these people bringing their dogs on airplanes. <laughs> like people walking around airports and here comes some like, you know, a 24-year-old woman with her like German shepherd and then it's it's going to like squeeze into the seat under her and look, I haven't yeah, had any man. like negative interactions, but I'm just like and again, I love my dogs, but I guess what? I also like to travel. So I we have we my family and I have signed up for a lot of money being spent on dog care when we're not at home. Yeah, and that's yeah. just the way it is. Yeah, and obviously, if it's a you know, if it's a an assistant dog if, in some way, if of it's course, legit, if it's it. legit. But if it's just because you think that's your baby, you know, <laughs> it's not your baby. It's a dog. <laughs> we can wrap it up there. What do you uh, What do you have the plug? We talked about your new show, but you've got a whole bunch of stuff going on. What 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 What? what should, where can people find you? What's happening in uh, Chris Hampton's life? Uh, I'm at Power Company Climbing everywhere except for the the Twitters or the X's or Good whatever that is nowadays. I just don't do it. Um, not interested. <laughs> yeah. So pa at Power Company Climbing, kind of everywhere. What are the shows? So you got you got the. I've got Power Company Climbing podcast. I've got Breaking Beta, which is a climbing science podcast. Um, Written in Stone, which is the climbing history podcast. Uh, I've done. A show called Plug Tone Outdoors, which is just like interesting outdoor stories. There's a there's actually a great episode on there about uh, Gabe Joyce. He's a, a mountain runner here in Wyoming uh, who went and ran the snowman race um, in Bhutan, 
Mm. And it's it's a really cool episode, I think. I don't know a lot about mountain running, but you know, a lot of, a lot of your listeners might really enjoy it. Are you going to replay your uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer episode for for Christmas coming up oh, here? Oh, maybe. I hadn't thought about that, but that that's one of my one. favorite episodes ever, man. I I love it. We need more of that kind of storytelling in outdoor podcasts, so keep up the good work with that, man. Appreciate it. I appreciate think you so coming too. on today. Yeah, I, I appreciate you having me, man. Looking forward to throwing more rocks in the future. Oh, open invitation. All right. All right, that's the show for today. Big thank you to my guest, Chris Hampton. What are your climbing hot takes? Please send them to MyRockBite. That's MyRockBite at gmail.com. And then we can have Chris come back on in the future to break them down. The Rock Fight is a production of Rock Fight LLC. I'm Colin True. Thanks for listening. And here to take us out is Chris Makes with the Rock Fight Fight song. We'll see you next time. Rock fight.